Well, just curious, how many of you uh, are roller coaster people? See your hands? Yeah, the, the faster and the scarier, you, you with me, the, the better you like it. Here's a picture of some folks on a roller coaster. And I'm not sure how clearly you can see the faces, but um, identify which one, by the way, I am the lamest roller coaster person. I'm the guy that when that thing starts cranking up, I literally, it goes through my mind, I think about jumping out and how, how bad of a scene would that make if I get out. Um, but just kind of look at the facial expressions and which one would you be? Would you be the smiling character? And I'm not sure what she's doing. <laughs> Um, these two guys I can identify with readily. Her I can really identify with. <laughs> and then there's the happy little one. I suppose that's a happy face. So which roller coaster rider would you be? Now, here, here's the thing. I think that this roller coaster picture and roller coasters in general and roller coaster ride, it's kind of a cool parable of life because when you think about it, everybody on that roller coaster car they're all going the same destination. They're all going the same speed. Uh, they're all going through the ups and downs, twists and turns and upside downs and all those things that happen that are out of their control. But some are enjoying it. Some are, are terrified. Some have their eyes closed because they don't even want to see what's coming. It's just too scary. Uh, some are hunkered down just hoping to survive. And I think that's a real parable of the way we live our lives. So let's start by thinking like this. We are all on this roller coaster ride of life. We're all on the journey. Uh, we're all going fast. Things happen quickly. There's twists and there's turns that we don't expect. There's upside down portions that occur. But how, how are we enjoying the ride? That's what I really want to talk about today. And it may seem that this is kind of an odd thing to connect our series with because the series is called this. It's called Worship, and it's about worship. And what I've said throughout this series is that worship, far from being just optional, most people that you talk to, you get a crowd of people, and you talk to them about worship, like I've said, just about every week, they would think that it's optional. You know, maybe that's your thing, man. Maybe you like to worship, you know, that's, that's who you are. But it's not something for me. It's not something that I care about. And yet, Far from it being optional, we're going to see that it's extremely practical. And I'm going to go further. It's unavoidable. So let's do a little review. We're in message five in the series. We're going to go one more week. And I want to just kind of take you through some things that we've learned so far. Worthship, and that's the reason I broke that word down the way it is. It's the conclusion that someone is worthy of our supreme regard and trust. As we sit here today, have you made a personal decision that Christ, the creator of the universe and the one that sacrificed his life to demonstrate his love for us on the cross, have you come to the conclusion, it's a conviction that you have, that he is supremely to be regarded. He's won your, your affection. He's won your admiration. And you trust him supremely. That is what it means to be a Christian. Going to church does not make one a Christian. Going through a baptismal ritual does not make one a Christian. Um, lighting candles, saying prayers does not make one a Christian. We become a Christian when we come to the conclusion that Jesus Christ is worthy of supreme regard and my supreme trust. Everybody's following somebody, I say, week in and week out. Either ourselves usually or Christ, the creator of the universe. Let's look at a second conclusion we came to. It is both logical. Worship is both logical and emotional. And by that, I mean that Christ has proven by creation of the universe that he is competent and he has proven by his sacrifice on the cross that his character is sacrificially loving. Therefore, he is worthy. He has proven himself worthy of our trust and supreme regard. So there's a logical part to worship, but then there's an emotional part. The emotional part looks like this. I so like the one that I worship that I want to be like them. We are not worshipers unless we so like Christ. We so like the character. We so like his will, his ways, his principles, his promises, his plans. Until we like him, we have admiration, we have affection for him to the point that I want to be like him. It has nothing to do with heaven and hell. I so am won over by him that I just don't trust him. I want to be like him. Well, at that stage, 
We're an authentic worshiper of God in spirit and in truth. Those two can't be separated. There's the logical and the emotional. Let me go further. Everyone is a worshiper, either of the creator or something he created. Our lives end up revolving around something or someone or, or the creator. And so that's why the scripture says that, that everyone, even the atheist, is a worshiper. They're just worshiping things created, likely themselves and their own desires, but we're all worshipers. Let me go step again. Worship is meant to be the ultimate organizing principle of our lives. The one that we worship determines our vision of life, our perspective of others, our perspective of ourselves. Our value system gets created by the one that we worship or whatever we worship. The trajectory of our life gets directed by what or who we worship. Thirdly, worship determines, now here's where we're going today. Worship determines the quality of our lives and the content of our character. We, we've dealt with this in a couple messages because it deserves further treatment. So right now, as we sit here today, the roller coaster picture again, we're on this roller coaster together. We're going through life, and some of us, our eyes are closed because it's just so scary. We don't even want to see what's coming. Others of us are hunkered down, man. We're just trying to survive one more day. Others of us, we're we're smiling we're we're enjoying the ride because we know some things we know the truth about God we know the truth about life our expectations have been correctly adjusted and so even though there's ups and downs twists and turns uncomfortable times uncomfortable seasons we still can enjoy the ride because we know what the ride is about and we know that the the creator of the universe is over uh, ultimately overarchingly directing the ride in our life so the quality of our lives and the content of our character depends on our worship now there was a verse in Romans chapter 12 New Testament book of Romans that summarizes what worship is because we, we get it all confused okay so we just had this this moving time I don't know about you but I'm standing back there in the corner and I'm I'm fighting back tears just fighting fighting because I knew I had to come up here compose myself and try to talk some sense you know and so you can't just let your emotions erupt but when when the spirit of God is operating through his word and through the lyrics of the songs and the beautiful music and our, our talented musicians and singers it just wrecks me in a wonderful wonderful way so that was an expression of worship so we just had a time where not all of us but some of us were expressing worship through song through entering in together and, and it's a powerful thing about doing that together but that's not worship or, or at least that's not all that worship is so that's why this verse is so critical so then my friends because of God's great mercy to us I appeal to you offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God that's confusing what does it mean to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God the rest of the verse interprets it the Bible is often like this if you read it through it'll interpret itself so what does it mean to be a living sacrifice dedicated to his what's the word service and pleasing to him so a living sacrifice is one that dedicates their life to serving God, to participating in what he cares about, and trying to live each day in each context of life in a way that is pleasing to him because we supremely regard him and supremely trust him. We are not afraid of him, but we, we believe that he knows what is best and wants what is best. This is, this is the true worship, and you should offer it. So, so that's a, a comprehensive definition of worship given in the word of God itself it, it is a lifestyle it is not just an expression a time or two uh, one day a week and that kind of thing now today we want to talk about this the dimensions of worship worship uh, affects all of our life if we understand it appropriately and we're going to look at three critical areas today that uh, worship affects and here's the goal the goal of looking at these dimensions of worship is so that we can each kind of look at them, look at ourselves, see if we need to maybe make an adjustment so that our ride, our roller coaster ride through life can be better because it can be better. You say, Randy, you don't understand my circumstances, man. You don't, you don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know what problems I'm facing. Well, I don't, but I know that as human beings, we face all kinds of problems ones that we would never want to face 
Uh, sometimes they're intensely personal. Sometimes they literally take us like that roller coaster ride and turn us upside down. But what I'm saying to you is that if we look at these dimensions of worship, take the truth in, adjust ourselves to the truth, we can still enjoy the ride, even in the, you got to hear me on this, even in the hardest of seasons in the journey of life so we're not we're not looking at something starry-eyed and unreasonable we're not saying that god's going to just magically poke your life or my life and make everything perfect and all our circumstances are going to be good all the time and we're always going to have the ball bouncing the way that we want it. that's not what we're saying we're saying we understand with mature eyes that life has lots of twists and turns and upside down moments and bad things happen we live in a world where evil is present therefore bad things can happen if you want to use this term to good people so nevertheless worship when we look at these three dimensions of it can still stabilize us and enable us to enjoy the ride in spite of uh, whatever the ride may, may you know take you bring into our life all right the first dimension we want to look at is this enduring certainty as human beings made by Christ made for Christ made in the image of God we have a yearning inside of us for security Uh, we want certainty about things we don't like when things are not certain when they're just kind of hanging and so to enjoy the ride of life regardless of the circumstances I have to be you have to be eternally secure eternally certain we must start there here's Jesus words in John chapter 10 he's talking to a group of people so he's by his spirit saying this even this morning to each of us he says my sheep in other words those that belong to me Jesus saying my sheep he's looking at himself as the shepherd and humanity as you know his flock my sheep listen to my voice so first of all he's saying my true sheep are those that they want to know what I have to say they want to know what I think they want to know my plans my purposes they want to know me they want to follow me they're my sheep my sheep listen to my voice I know them and this is the critical part they do what they follow me to follow Jesus means we supremely regard him and supremely trust him in other words I trust him more than I trust myself at age 23 that is the conclusion I came to that Jesus was much more trustworthy than I was to run my life that he knew what was best he wants what's best I knew that I was just kind of foolish and experimenting my way through life and I had already lived long enough to know that a lot of the experiments I had taken did not work out well my sheep listen to my voice I know them and they follow me and then I give them what eternal life it is a gift we don't earn it we don't work for it we don't stand before God and you know our good deeds and our bad deeds are weighed out in the scale and God says okay you know you're you're in you have eternal life no right now right now as you and I are here in this room today every single one of us either actually is in possession of eternal life and that's eternal life in the kingdom of God we are actually in possession right now of eternal life or we're not you should never have a doubt in your mind because I know what's going through some of your minds you're saying Randy you know I hope I have eternal life I, 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 I think I think I might you and I should never have a doubt we need this certainty in order to enjoy the ride of life with its twists and turns and its upside down moments I need to know you need to know I need to be certain you need to be certain that we are in possession of eternal life I'm going to go through this verse one more time really slow and I want you to let it sink in because it goes counterintuitive to our feelings our feelings are all about our good deeds and bad deeds outweighing themselves uh, we, we struggle with but I don't feel worthy I've done bad things I, you know I'm not perfect forget all that and just listen to the creator speaking to each of us again my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me if I've made the decision if you made the decision to put your trust in Christ and become his follower then the rest of the verse applies to you and I give them it's a gift it's a free gift I don't earn it I don't work for it I don't deserve it certainly I don't deserve it I give them eternal life so right now every one of us in this room based on this one verse in scripture alone and there are multiple verses like this in scripture should know can know 
if we are in possession of eternal life, if you are a follower of Christ, if you made a decision to put trust in him and become his follower, you absolutely have, based on his word, right now, in your possession, eternal life. You are as sure of living eternally in the kingdom of God as though you had already been there for 100,000 years. And you need to walk through life, and I need to walk through life with that kind of certainty because this ride of life, this roller coaster ride, it can be very upsetting. But if we have this certainty that I am a timeless, you've got to get this, I'm a timeless creature. I'm not just here today and gone tomorrow. I'm a timeless creature. I'm on a, not just a temporary journey. I'm on an eternal developmental journey. And I already know of certainty the destination. I don't deserve it, but because I trust Christ and I am his follower, he gives it to me. So do you have certainty before you walk out of this building today that you have eternal life because Christ wants you each of us to have that certainty let's go on now if we don't have the certainty of eternal life we inevitably fall into what I call the cycle of desperation this this is a cycle that leads us to make many impulsive bad decisions that are that are personally destructive as well as socially destructive we don't know it we're just kind of fumbling our way through life trying to figure out what works what what brings happiness but here's what this cycle looks like if I don't have Christ ruling in my heart and if I'm not his follower here's what happens I'm a time-bound creature what that means is this I know I'm here today but I know I'm going to be not here sometime I'm, I'm bound by time I don't know what's going to happen in the future I can only see you know minute by minute I'm time bound and I'm sense governed if I can't see it taste it feel it smell it hear it I'm not really sure that it exists it's not going to have much influence on me I'm bound by my senses and I'm driven I'm driven by the fear of death and you say Randy I'm not afraid to die you're still driven by the fear of death because you know you are going to die and what it means is this is it this knowledge that we're here but we're going to die it causes us to live with a kind of a bucket list mentality you got to get it all man you don't know how long you're going to be here you better you better get what you can while you can if there's some pleasure available to you you better seize it because you might not be here tomorrow that's what the scripture means by the fear of death so this produces a fixation on two things the governing philosophy of most humans lives in fact let me go further every human that hasn't been reconciled to their creator Christ hasn't put their trust in him and become his follower isn't sure of possessing eternal life the governing philosophy whether we know it or don't know it is this first self-preservation I want to live as long as I can I want to just stay alive on the ride on the roller coaster ride and then second self-gratification meaning I want to have as much fun as I can while I'm here on the ride and that becomes the governing focus of people's lives pleasure and avoidance of pain living as long as we can getting as much as we can and we go through life driven by these and it causes us to make reckless decisions that hurt us and more than often hurt others as well now when we have <clears throat> certainty of eternal life we are delivered from this cycle because we know Christ rose from the dead. So we don't have to live as though we're, we're in desperation. You've got to get it all now. You've got to get your bucket list filled out. You are a timeless, eternal creature, and, and the best is yet to come. I don't care how good your life is. I don't care how much we have or how much we experience good here. It's nothing compared to the, what, what is ahead for us. The best by far is yet to come. Christ's resurrection proves that. Here's a verse that talks about this, Hebrews 2. It says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who, who had the power of death. And when you just stop there, it's like, wait a minute, you mean the devil can take me out anytime he wants? That's not what it's saying. He has the power of death, meaning he uses death as kind of a lever to uh, influence us the rest of the verse explains this only in this way could he meaning Jesus set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to what the fear of dying you say well I'm not a slave to the fear of dying if you don't possess eternal life if you're not a follower of Christ knowingly or unknowingly you are that's why we have stupid 
ideas like the bucket list because you think this is it for you man if you don't get it all now and get it all in now that's all there is for sure because you're sense governed time bound and you don't know what lies ahead but the resurrection of Christ is supposed to free us from this panic existence this desperation existence so that we start seeing ourselves I want to tell you you get this one thing in this message this is liberating man that you start seeing yourself as a timeless individual you watch how that changes the way you approach life you watch how that changes the way situations affect you uh, sometimes the things that feel really big become really small when you know I'm a timeless eternal being and I'm on this developmental journey and my God is always with me he's always for me and he will bring me through the other side of this I don't have to get it all now you can't get it all now even if you get it all now you won't be able to enjoy it all now because evil exists in this world and none of us lives long enough to enjoy even the good that we do experience let's go on a little further we're talking about certainties that God wants us to have 2 Corinthians 5 it says and we are not afraid but are quite content what does it say to what to die that sounds a little weird for then we will be where at home with the Lord listen the scripture teaches that when a follower of Christ dies there is no unconscious state in between the millisecond that we would cease to see this world we would immediately be seeing the eternal spiritual world to be absent from our bodies the scripture teaches is to be at home and notice it says at home with the Lord this place is not our home if you can be at home in this world with all of its hate with all of its prejudice with all of its violence with all of its cruelty and and all the evil then there's something wrong with your soul this this is not the place to be at home uh, our home is a place where love governs every heart where righteousness is practiced by everyone when there's no such thing as fear there's no such thing as sickness sorrow pain or death anyway it says we as followers of Christ we're, we're not we're not worried about death for then we'll be at home with the Lord so our aim is to please him always in everything we do this is the spontaneous desire of a real worshiper i want to please god and i'm i want to please him not because i'm afraid of him because i so admire him i so love him i so i so trust that his ways and his will are always the best i can never improve on god's will whether we're here in this body or away from this body and with him in heaven so to be absent from the body is instantly to be in the presence of the lord let me take it a little further the same passage in verse 10 says for we must all stand before Christ to be what does it say now some people are like whoa man you just threw a damper on things <laughs> no I want to persuade you to love the idea of judgment let me go let me read the rest of it to be judged and have our lives laid bare before him the one that loves us enough that he died on the cross for us each of us will receive whatever he deserves for the good or the bad things he has done in his earthly body now once we trust Christ and are his followers we have eternal life we're in his kingdom but we're going to be judged as to how we have used our time on this planet once we became a follower of Christ we, we have some some opportunities that God gives us we have some skills we have some learnings we, we have some experiences we have some spiritual gifts we have some talents we have some time we have some resources some financial resources we have all kinds of tools that God entrusts to us that we can use either for the kingdom of God and the good of others unselfishly or we can live selfishly in which case when judgment comes that will be brought up but here's why judgment I want you to think of judgment excitedly judgment means that that every single day in your life and every situation you go through so like you go to work tomorrow and somebody takes a cheap shot at you and you know you didn't deserve it at all but you as a Christ follower you take it you you kind of take a second breath and you respond to them with kindness and consideration maybe you even fire up a prayer for them because they didn't know how how inappropriate what they said was that's going to come up one day in judgment that matters judgment means everything that occurs in your life or my life they matter they count sometimes we feel like our lives don't matter at all we live in a society that kind of pushes us to feel pretty inconsequential judgment it's saying that God is watching 
And every tiny thing, every tiny act of faithfulness, every tiny act of goodness, every tiny act of obedience to the word and will of God instead of following my own impulses, that's going to matter. That's going to count. That's going to be rewarded someday. It means that your life is full of meaning. You might just be doing monotonous things again and again, and it's easy to feel like, ah, my life doesn't really matter, you know, but it does. Your faithfulness above all matters. Judgment is a good thing. It's a good thing. It means that, that life really counts. So these certainties, the certainty, number one, that we have eternal life, the certainty that even should we die, we'll go to be with the Lord. The certainty that, that God will judge, the evil will be punished as well. They will get what they deserve, but the righteous and each of us, our tiniest acts of faithfulness, long after we have forgotten them, they'll be remembered. Jesus at one point said, hey, if anybody even gives a glass of water, cold water, to one of my followers, man, they're going to be rewarded. So judgment means your life and my life, they matter. I need these certainties as I walk through this world. As I'm on this roller coaster ride, I need to have these certainties in mind. I have to remind myself of these certainties because then they open the door for a second benefit of being a worshiper, and that is inner harmony. Now, inner harmony, you say, well, Randy, what, what do you mean by inner harmony? Well, well let's think, I mean, inner harmony means instead of inside I'm full of anxiety and I'm full of turbulence and I'm, I'm full of uncertainties and confusion inside there, there's tranquil, tranquility there's peace, there's calm um, there, there's unified thinking so let's look a little bit deeper on how a worshiper has the capacity for inner harmony doesn't happen all at once it, it, is, it is a restoration process that God does once we trust Christ and become his followers, he starts to restore our soul for his name's sake, just like it says in Psalm 23. In the New Testament book of Ephesians, and by the way, these weird names for some of you that are new Bible readers, the apostle Paul planted a church in this city called Ephesus, and then he sent them direction letters, uh, correction letters and direction letters, inspired by the spirit of God and that's how we get this book of Ephesians in the New Testament anyway Ephesians 4 verse 13 it says our goal he's writing to Christians he's writing to those that have put their trust in Christ and are his followers in possession of eternal life our goal is to become like a full-grown man or a full-grown adult but what is a full-grown adult what what is a fully fully matured healthy adult look like how do you compare well the scripture tells us very clearly to look just like what does it say Christ when I'm all grown up when you're all grown up I'm going to be a Christ-like Randy you're going to be a Christ-like version of you this is stunning when you think about it that's the capacity for growth and development that I have and you have I can change man I'm glad I can change I'm glad I'm not stuck I'm, I'm always in a developmental process. You can change. There is no habit in your life. Listen to me carefully because some of you, you're feeling pretty hopeless about getting free from certain habits. There is no habit in your life that is counter to the will and the word of God that you cannot ultimately be free from. God promises that. You have the capacity to grow to your last breath to become more like Christ. Our goal is to become like a full-grown man or a full-grown human, to look just like Christ and have all his, what does it say? Is that your goal? Because it says, our goal. That's the goal of every Christian. The goal of every Christian <laughs> is not just to go to heaven. In certain churches, you would think the, the whole goal is make sure that ride goes up. You know, as long as you get there, it doesn't much matter. But no, 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 When you read the book, when you read God's revelation, it says our goal as Christ followers every day, every situation, every twist and turn of the roller coaster, every upside down circumstance of the roller coaster, my goal is is in that circumstance to become like Christ. I, I have a pathway. I have a purpose in every circumstance. That really makes a difference. That brings inner harmony in and of itself that, that I'm on a mission. I, I want, no matter where I'm at, whether I'm home or at work or in a good situation or a bad situation, I want to grow. I want to develop. I want to be more like Christ. When I have that as a goal, 
progressively I start to have inner harmony let, let, me, let me show you a process in how this works same book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 he says you were taught with regard to your former way of life the way I used to live before I put my trust in Christ and became his follower you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off what your old self my old self was who I was before I trusted Christ and started following him I had all kind of ideas about life I had all kind of values I had all kind of habits I had all kind of attitudes I had all kind of reaction patterns I had all kind of coping systems and mechanisms and so do you who I was, who I had grown into being. That's a result of my, my upbringing and my reaction to circumstances and all kinds of things. But it was this, this old self. And I now, as a Christ follower, I'm to put off my old self. Before I can put off my old self, I have to see my old self. I have to recognize the actions of my old self. In other words, a new level, a Christian, a Christ follower has the capacity to have an elevated self-awareness God's light starts to pour in the more we fill our minds with his word and we can see ourselves in God's light and we start to get some objectivity and I start recognizing my old self and that's the person that I no longer want to be but I have to see it before I can put it off in other words let's say my old self was somebody that got mad very very easily but maybe I'm so used to being mad very, very easily that I don't even notice it anymore. Or maybe I'm, I'm the person that whenever I get into a crowd, I'm full of anxiety, I'm scared. I, I, I fear that, you know, people are not going to like me. They're going to want me. I'm not going to fit in. They're going to reject me. Well, well, that's my part of my old self, and, I, and I've got to recognize that's not who God created me to be. That's not true. That's not God's truth. So there's a process here. I have to put off my old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of my minds and to put on the new self as a Christ follower there's a new me that's that's growing being developed put on the new self created to be like who God in true what righteousness and what else you were destined from eternity I was destined from eternity to live the way that God lives and to love the way that God loves we were destined to be right doers righteous we were destined to be holy individuals that never used their power except to do sacrificial good for others that's who we now can be once we put our trust in Christ and become his followers and the more that we put off our old self and put on the new self you watch you mark it down watch what happens inside you start to change peace starts to replace turbulence uh, kindness starts to replace gruffness all, all these things start to happen the more I absorb God's love for me his acceptance of me and I'm this timeless being now the spirit of God can take me back in my life I can see some things that happened in my childhood God will illuminate those and they lose their grip on me and on you you're timeless you're you're eternal remember that was one of the certainties and the spirit of God will take us back so that we can see the old self so that we can put the old self on but then there's the important part of immediately putting on the new self as well let me show you one more thing before I, I, I go to a, uh, something that's a little bit shocking I, I think perhaps Galatians 5 uh, says the fruit of the spirit all that means is the result of God's spirit now having access to work in us as we're focused on Christ and we want to be like him we not just we don't just like him we want to be like him our goal is to become like him remember that verse we read but the fruit of the spirit the result will be look at these things love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control now I know that's a lot to take in at one one place you know but but I want you to see that what if all those things existed in you and I all the time regardless of what the exterior circumstances in our life were that roller coaster ride it's twisting it's turning it's going upside down but inside this is what's going on now let me contrast that let me let me share this with you this could be a little shocking here's my question could someone have a great quality of life regardless of their circumstances with these inner traits so let's just say 
this person is the richest person in the world they have tremendous talent they're they're intellectually they're giants uh, they're attractive they're popular they're prestigious they're powerful they've got all the possessions they want they, they've kind of circumstantially they've got it all because this is the lie we believe we believe that if our circumstances changed if people in our lives changed if situations in our lives changed well man we we'd be you know at peace then we'd have it good we'd be happy then but but let's just ask a question if someone had it all but inside they were a hateful human being and they were bitter and they were stressed fault finding they looked at everybody with critical eyes and they were just cruel just nasty evil they were unfaithful you couldn't trust them at all and they were mean and they had no self-control whatsoever if they had all the world the exterior things could that human being have a good quality of life with those attributes living inside them how many think there is no way can I just see your hands of course not because what you know and what I know is that <laughs> take this one in the quality of my life right now the quality of your life right now even though we lie to ourselves it is not dictated by my circumstances it is dictated by what is going on inside of me and we read that first list from Galatians 5 when, when I'm focused on becoming more like Christ and putting off my old self and learning the ways and will and word of God and I'm changing and I'm growing, the interior of my life starts to change. Therefore, it doesn't matter what my exterior circumstances, what twists, turns, dips, upside downs life gives me on the roller coaster ride of life. Inside where it counts, qualitatively, my life can be very different look at these lists now compared here's the list we read in Galatians 5 the Christ follower instead of being hateful is increasingly filled with love for other people nothing but goodwill instead of being bitter the Christ follower has joy instead of being stressed the Christ follower increasingly has peace instead of being fault-finding the Christ follower forbears overlooks other people's faults says hey man you know nobody is perfect I'm not either instead of being cruel the Christ follower is kind to people instead of being evil the Christ follower just wants to do what is good what is right all the time instead of being unfaithful the Christ follower is faithful instead of being mean the Christ follower is gentle instead of being an individual with no self-control the Christ follower increasingly has self-control we can control what comes out of our mouth we can control our behavior we can control our temper and so forth increasingly as we follow Christ and put off our old self put on our new now when you have these and I have these attributes inside of me inside of you and they are growing it doesn't matter what's going on circumstantially in your life the quality of your life will just keep elevating you got to hear me because everybody wants to be happy there's not a human being that's ever lived on this planet that doesn't want to be happy God wants to give us happiness but he cannot give it to us apart from himself and apart from his will and his word we jam things up when we insist on doing things our way because we just don't know how much we don't know and God's hands get tied when we're not willing to trust him in certain areas of our life in particular the third thing that God gives us so he gives us inner harmony he gives us first of all certainty inner harmony the last thing is this outer clarity and we need outer clarity meaning this I don't always know what to do uh, you know I, I still have this old self that reacts certain ways that are not wise not good so I need God to coach me I need God to train me I need God to teach me I need God to correct me I need to know what to do now that's critical and God's word is the key to that to the degree that I, you, we go to God's word, saturate ourselves with it, to that degree God's spirit has access to us and can guide us, direct us, lead us, develop us, grow, help us to grow. So we're going to look at the exterior. Here we go. Jesus speaking in John 8. He says, when Jesus spoke again to people, he said, I'm the light of the world. I need light. You know, you might have perfect vision, but if you don't have any light, you can't see. I can't see. God, Christ, is the light that gives us perspective on life whoever here it is again whoever does what follows me a Christian is one that has put trust in Christ and is his follower nothing more to add to that whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life so here's Christ saying I'm going to give you the outer clarity you need 
you're going to face all kinds of situations in life you're going to need to know what to do i'll coach you i'll train you i'll teach you i'll guide you so let's look We're, now 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 before we go to this i'm going to tell you i'm going to go through these passages really quick i will not go into them deeply because the point i'm trying to show you is that that god gives us the outer clarity for situational reactions that we face throughout life but i can't go deep into each of these passages because they all would allow for lots and lots of time here we go ephesians 5 this is one of the ones that's just such a favorite for women women love this verse why <laughs> don't oh you don't you don't like it oh gee <laughs> wives submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the lord I didn't write it, no, don't get, don't get mad at me. <laughs> Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for, and like I say, I could do a lot of unpacking of both of those. Don't have time. Let's go on. Children, all, all in the same passage. Children, obey your parents. But my parents are not fair. They're not nice. They're not, they're not. Children, shut up and obey your parents. <laughs> in the Lord, for this is right. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Well, you've got to know the training and instruction of the Lord before you can bring your kids up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Okay, I'm going too far. Here, this one, if you read the verses go before, it's, it's literally talking about slaves. During the time the New Testament was written, about 60% of the world's population were slaves, slaves to Rome. You might be butcher, baker, candlestick maker, doctor, lawyer, but Rome conquers you, you become a slave. Anyway, it was the worst of circumstances for an employee to be in. So we're going to apply it, though, today in an employee-employer context. So he's telling these slaves, today's uh, employ employees, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving who? The Lord and not people. That means that you, you go and I go, you know, whatever our work is, we go into our work, thank God you're allowing me to have a job, first of all, Father. And, and thank you that I get the opportunity to serve you today, not my boss. <laughs> I am firing my boss, and I am serving you, Lord, because I know you appreciate me. My boss does not, you know. <laughs> so these are serious principles that God gives to us to give us clarity. I need outer clarity. I need to know what to do now. You need to know what to do now. I have crazy notions of what to do left to myself. So God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the specifics you need to function now so that you can keep on growing, keep on becoming more Christ-like, keep on putting off your old self, keep on putting on the new. But it all starts with that first part, with those certainties that we have. One more verse that adds to this. This is kind of a general Galatians 6, 10. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So I go through life. This gives me clarity saying, how can I bless you? What can, how can I serve you? What, what good can I do for you? Everywhere I go, every situation I'm put in, everywhere you go, every situation you're put in, that ought to be your thought process. How can I help this person? How can I bless you? How can I serve you? No matter who they are. Jesus taught us we can even love our enemies. Remember he said, bless those that curse you and despitefully use you and so on. I can pray for them. I can serve them uh, even as an enemy to some degree. All right. Now, these passages dealt with some pretty strong context. They dealt with marriage. They dealt with parenting. Uh, they dealt with employee-employer relationships had we gone into it further. And then it just dealt with our general attitude toward people in general. I'm here on this earth to do good to other people. So here's what we're looking at. God-given roles, relationships, and responsibilities, and responsibilities. They are, and don't go to the next slide yet, please. They are developmental contexts. We don't think of them that way. Roles. God-given roles, husband, wife, parents, so forth, relationships, responsibilities. Let me ask you a question. Uh, how many of you have, have um, <laughs> I was going to say, how many of you have ever gone to a gym? I'm going to ask you differently. How many of you ever thought about going to a gym? Did <laughs> <laughs> you know, see your hands? Ever thought about it? Okay. Uh, is the primary, is the primary uh, responsibility of a gym, goal of a gym, to make you happy 
or is the primary goal of a gym to make you healthy right the primary goal of a gym is to make us healthy not to make us happy you go to the gym and if you do what you're supposed to do in a gym you're going to feel stressed you're going to feel strained you're going to sweat <laughs> you're going to feel uncomfortable okay but the stress and the strain you got, you got to get this you're not going to like this but you need to get it the stress and the strain and the feelings of being uncomfortable are the only way that you and I will develop we will develop health we will develop strength these contexts you got you to understand what I'm saying context we think my marriage my kids my situation at work my fellow employees my boss all these things they're, they're there to, I should be happy at work I should be happy with my boss I should be happy with my spouse I should be happy with my kids we should be happy 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 all the time <laughs> and that's that's desirable don't get me wrong and there is lots of happiness but that's not the real goal we miss this as christians these contexts these roles that god gives us to be employee employer husband wife parent whatever it is these roles these relationships these responsibilities they are developmental context they're the gym they're the gymnasium for our soul they are to help us put off our old selfish selves and to put on the new christ-like self so that we can have more uh, of the inner harmony and the love and the joy and the peace and the faithfulness and the self-control and all these things and they stretch us listen to me now they stretch us and they strain us and they make us uncomfortable sometimes miserably so for our health for our development for our good here's the rest of it we can learn these contexts that stress us that strain us that make us uncomfortable we can learn to live as God lives and love as God loves the gym that makes you uncomfortable that makes you sweat that strains you it's making you healthy and if you don't have the stress and if you don't have the strain and if you don't have the sweat and if you don't have the discomfort you don't get the health God puts us in these contexts think about what a different perspective that would give you on a situation that you're in so right now maybe some of you you're, you're just grinding in a work situation that you hate and you've got people that are treating you unfairly and you're just you're hating every minute you have to go in there and oh God deliver me please give me a new job a new career a new vocation what about if God says what but I'm trying to bless you, my child. How can I bless you if you don't let me stretch you, if, if you don't allow yourself to be uncomfortable, if you don't allow yourself to be a little bit miserable? I can't show you. I can't help your soul to grow. I, I, can't, I can't stretch your spirit for you. I can't expand your heart. I can't, I can't get you to be more reliant on me. You won't be reliant on me unless you feel the stress and the strain and the discomfort. So what, what, what if we're trying to run from the very thing that God says is meant to develop us? But, but we have this perspective, oh, but it's supposed to make me happy, and I'm not happy. <laughs> so what? If you're certain of eternal life and you're a timeless eternal being, we're, the, the New Testament is pretty blunt. We can have wonderful happiness and joy in this life, but it won't be perfect. But the desires of our heart are guaranteed for eternity the best is yet to come I don't care how good we have it in this life the best is yet to come Christ's death and resurrection speaks to that point blank no no other consideration so let's look at this picture and we'll close we're all going to leave here today and we're still going to be on that roller coaster ride <laughs> we all should shoot for being this girl and it starts with having that, that certainty that we talked about, progressively that inner harmony, and then that clarity to do those things that are often very counterintuitive and uncomfortable simply because we supremely regard this person called Christ who created the universe and proved his love for you and I enough that even when we didn't give a rip about him he suffered and died on the cross to say to us I love you so much I die for you all I need from you 
is just trust me I want to give you life I want to give you life that you have dreamt about yearned for fought for scratched for lied for cheated for been unfaithful for I, I, I know you can't get it away if you'll trust me if you'll follow me if you'll learn my will if you'll learn my word if you'll do my will and obey my word you will see that in time the life that you want it'll start to be yours progressively and it'll ultimately be yours eternally so do we perhaps need to make some adjustments in where we're at in here do, do, do we need to maybe fasten on to the eternal certainties that we have in Christ to know that we have eternal life to know that judgment is going to be a wonderful experience showing that every part of our life was meaningful do, do we need to get to work putting off our old self putting on the new so that we'll have actually experientially more love more joy more peace more faithfulness and more gentleness more kindness all those things that we'll be watching those old traits that keep us miserable where we're fault-finding and critical and and we're envious and we're jealous and we never have enough and you always got to have newer nicer bigger better these things that drive us crazy and make us sick and make us ugly God wants to to clothe us with inner beauty and that ride doesn't matter how how it twists and how it turns when you're okay inside everything is okay and maybe it's just about clarity some of us just need to go to the book and let God show us what we need to do in the situations in the context the developmental context that we find ourselves in now and we're all in it we're all on the roller coaster we're all in the ride of life what do we need to do folks it's going to be different for every one of us we all me included for sure we have some things we need to zero in on we need to zero in so that we can enjoy the ride the way God wants us to let's pray father you you see what we can't see you understand with perf perfection what we don't understand may your spirit continue to work in us that we'll see the things that you see and do the things that you know we need to do that this ride will be one that honors you blesses others and brings surprising peace and joy to ourselves we ask all this in Christ's name amen